Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I'm PS McKay, coming to you with the show that my wife has lovingly called the Toy Show. And I'm TT Cavman, and uh, this episode was actually suggested by my wife. So, <laughs> there you go. All right, so real quick before we get going, you, the audience will not know this, but uh, this is our last episode before, DT, you bring your family out. I do, yes. That's great, and uh, so you'll be going out there. We'll be taking a, a one-week hiatus, which you guys won't even know uh, the way we <laughs> schedule this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, well, excited for you. I, my, my best wishes and safe travels for you and the family. Hope you guys, uh, may you get home quick and safely with little to no issues whatsoever. May it be a boring ride. That's my best wish for you. I, I will may it be boring. <laughs> yeah, some people would find that insulting, but I'm like, no, boring is exactly what you want. There's nothing bad that happens on boring. <laughs> Fair enough. So, all right. Well, um, let's just get started. Uh, I, I, I have deemed this. This was Hold on, suggested by you. Hold on, before we get started. Okay. I, I feel that we're remiss because at no point in the last two weeks, and I, to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed with the marketing campaign too, but Miss Marvel debuted this week. I know. It kind of came, and I didn't, I, I mean, I knew it was coming. I haven't seen it. Um, I want to. I'm in, I'm intending on seeing it. Um, have you seen it? No, but I'll probably end up watching it at uh, some point. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I probably don't have time to, to do it before. Well, maybe. Maybe I'll get a chance to watch this weekend. We'll see. Before the TV gets packed up. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Well, you'll be able to um, watch it on your phone, right? You fly yeah. out, right? Yeah, but I'd bring my laptop. Oh, you can. Oh, but would you be able to download it to your phone? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I've got a 40-inch oh. waiting for me out there. I'll watch it there. <laughs> so wait, have you been sitting there with just a laptop as your television companion for the last? No, bought, I don't know, bought a four big months? 65-inch TV. Okay, thank God. Oh my God. Oh, I would. No, uh, and while while whew. I was in, while I was. I, I lost my, my breath last, there for a second there um, for you. I was at my last duty station before I retired, and then when I was living here before moved into the house, and even at the very beginning when I got the house, uh, I had I had brought with me a, a twenty-four inch Fire TV that's kind of traveled with me over the last two years. Nice. Okay. It's bigger than my laptop. Yeah, it's it's, it's better it's, than nothing. But you know, it, uh, and of course, it's my Fire TV, so I had everything well saved to it, so it was <laughs> yeah. good. But uh, yeah, no. Um, once I got settled, I started to get some of the new furniture, and I said, "I'm going to get a big TV because most of the furniture, um, you know, is is new." 
it's not uh, we're not going to waste we're going to try to utilize space better because we're we have the house here and the living room is oriented over home now yeah over a fireplace yeah where it was perfect to put a large screen tv into the wall so i did nice nice yep Well, very good. Um, but so, yes, I do. I do look forward to watching this Marvel because this one, unlike Moon Knight, is is really more connected to existing characters. I'm not. I'm, it was, I'm not knocking Moon Knight. Moon Knight. No. Just. It was just in its own corner, just like Eternals was. Right. Very little touching base on well-trod history right falcon and the winter soldier wandavision and hawkeye were all sequels to known stories and loki oh and loki too and all (laughs) characters who we know probably Um, the most important out of all the shows this thus far loki so (laughs) uh, and wandavision those yeah you're right you're right because that that influenced um multiverse of madness right which I haven't seen yet, and it's going to be two weeks until it comes out on Disney Plus. So I'm just going to wait it out. Hawkeye <laughs> is very much connected to uh, Multiverse of Madness, and thereby WandaVision by happenstance of location, uh, and by some of the fallout of both that and Spider-Man: Far From Home. Mm. And you get. Yes. Um, you get in. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you'll start seeing that connect. One, I think that, you know, we know there's going to be another series. I wouldn't be surprised if Falcon and the Winter Soldier connect to maybe Secret Wars and Armor Wars. I mean, we know well, I mean, Rhodey... it's all going to connect to uh, Secret Invasion. Which is the the big thing, I think, coming down the pipeline. But we shall see. We I completely see. cut you off. I didn't. Uh, that wasn't the direction you were. Well, going. we're we're going to dive down the rabbit hole. But I I am very interested to see uh, Ms. Marvel. It'll be uh, be an interesting. I don't really know a ton about the character aside from the fact that she's Muslim she's supposed American. to be an inhuman. Yes, an inhuman Muslim American. Um, I, I'm getting the feeling that it's taking place in New York as well, though. They all do. <laughs> and even Except, WandaVision was in New Jersey. I know. It wasn't far away. <laughs> Moon Knight took place entirely out of... Out, no, I stand corrected. Moon Knight also took place partially in New York. What well, didn't It did, in that, Queens, that, right? Or Bronx, or... Isn't that where he grew up? Yeah, that's where he we're grew spending up. most of the rest of the series in England and uh, Egypt. Yep. Which it's funny because you have the Eternals and Moon Knight being so isolated in their own bottles, but they had massive climax events that would be. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Spider-Man: Homecoming. 
that climax was nothing compared to Moon Knight. You know, I mean, Endgame was, I mean, it was epic. Don't get me wrong. It was epic and massive because of all the characters they used. But think about where it was. It was located in just north of New York, but. Yeah, upstate New York. It, upstate New York. Not even upstate. I wouldn't say it's even that far. They said it was upstate. Anything but outside anything of, north New York of New York City is considered, yeah. is considered upstate. Trust me. I lived in upstate New York. And I was like 40 miles from the city. Well, there you go. Okay. So it's upstate by like three miles. So, I mean, it was so, but it was all located there. Whereas Eternals, you had a freaking celestial being born out of the Indian Ocean. Like, <laughs> like insane. That's a whole new continent right there, right now. Well, you just got to remember, man. <laughs> Solo movies very rare. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's like Captain America with a Winter Soldier. They had already hung out with the other Avengers, and you got Black Widow. Not even Hawkeye that's, could stop. Yeah, him. that's you true. Know. There was no Iron Hulk. Man, Iron Man three. All you get is a, a cameo of Bruce Banner falling asleep during Tony's story in the post credit scene. That was the biggest issue I heard when I I didn't go to the movie theater to see Iron Man 3. But I remember the biggest lament about Iron Man 3 was, where are the Avengers? Because this is almost an Avengers level event. war machine was sidelined, too. I mean, Rhodey didn't even get them. I mean, there was literally very little Iron Man in Iron Iron Man 3. Yes, there was. I mean, it made so. sense, and you know, before everybody gets together. But you know, some of these solo movies, uh, the uh, the sequels that came place after the original Avengers, has a habit of um, making people ask questions, which led to probably the best question ever asked in the M- or or at least suggested <laughs> is Scott Lang when he finds out about Darren Cross's plans in the first Ant Man. He's like. I think our first step should be call the Avengers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We can have uh, Stark uh, all over this. <laughs> at, at least. Yeah. At least there was a good in-story reason that they didn't call the Avengers. Because uh, Pym hated Stark and he didn't trust Stark. Well, he hated Stark's dad. I don't know how much he know- he, he hated well, Tony. He but- probably. He didn't hate Tony necessarily, but he didn't trust him because Tony loved his dad and idolized his dad and was following in his dad's footsteps. So <laughs> that's my theory. Uh, that's it, all it, I'm it, saying. It, it, it's it's a very good interesting. Very interesting. And I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> or in Spider-Man Far From Home, when he's like, why do you need me to Nick Fury? He's like, the Thor off world. Yep. <laughs> he starts rattling them off, and it's like uh, unavailable. Yeah, Captain. Uh, well, Captain Marvel, you shut your mouth, or oh, don't speak like, her name. Yeah, don't then, you dare speak her name. And then it's like, but, but I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's like, bitch, you've been to space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, classic. Uh, Good yeah. times. 
Good time. Speaking watching, of classic. Have you been watching Obi-Wan Kenobi? I haven't seen the latest episode. I've oh boy, there are some trusted sources that I listen to and watch. And I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the channels that I get cathartic to when they rage about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a genuine like looking on both sides, you know, really being like objective about the situation. And they watch the epi- part four and they're like, ooh. So I haven't seen it yet. Unfortunately, I'm a little tainted now. But I, I again, I've been, I've been appreciating up through part three. I know what they're saying, the bad parts. I don't think it deserves that much to cry. Uh, to be honest with you, I I thought it was pretty... I thought it was pretty good. I mean, honestly, you love th- everything. Stop I, it. I don't. And you know it. You do. You just you hate dealing with me. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> but this you is love like, this is like else. a form of self-flagellation, you know. Like, <laughs> this is your atonement. I don't know for what, but I think you've earned it. <laughs> you, you've earned your atonement already. So. <laughs> no, I mean, but I, I generally don't want to, you know, podcast about things I hate. Well, agreed. And it's we've just talked so about negative. This. I it mean, really I, is. This this is cathartic for me to talk about things I enjoy. Yes. But you've heard me very clearly tell things I don't like. Um. Well, since you absolutely refuse to discuss discovery in any sort of way, uh, there's a lot of things I don't like about that. I mean, we all know my hatred of the Klingorks and how I feel that it's it's an abomination against war. Well, didn't we? Moog, okay. Savior of the refer, Empire. Should I should I just refer to our fighting cannon with cannon episode, where where that was our venting episode? Hmm. I like cannon. I'm a historian. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. My wife says that I would be a wonderful, probably exceptional uh, history teacher in high school. But I'm not going to be a history teacher. So in high school. (laughs) Although I might. I don't know. I haven't changed my mind yet. (laughs) There's a teaching shortage out there. They're paying up the nose right now. Maybe we'll see. So... (laughs) Well, you know, uh, speaking of high school, I think you might have a few items from your past. <laughs> All right, you introduce the topic. You introduce it. It was your idea, or your your the Mrs. Idea, who we need to give credit for, but we don't have a nom de plume for her. So, Madam Calfman, my darling wife, <laughs> Madam Calfman. No, she. You call her madam. She'd slap the dog shit out of you. <laughs> she'll, Madame. She'll, she'll, don't be a douche. I okay. You're right. I was there. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> Mrs. Cavman. That's that's a temporary designation. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it, it asked about. You know, I. I think I, I think it was after I mentioned your most recent acquisition. She's like, oh, yes. Well, you can talk like, about that. The, the Star Trek captain's logbooks. 
So he, he, you went and dug, you ordered some back issues of some very old periodicals. You <laughs> so basically like uh, interviews of each of writers and actors from eat uh, from the original series TNG and some of the seasons of DS9 and Voyager where the writers and the producers and the actors where they interview them about each episode each and every one what went into it and everything and each one's like a newspaper article each episode right not too long not too short just bite-sized little pieces that are fun to read and add good insight i lost them in my many moves and all of my parents divorces uh <laughs> so i realized oh there is an internet of things out there that i could probably find and lo and behold and this is still part of the introduction i was able to find it oh i'm gonna have to turn off my if we're gonna do this to enjoy it um you're gonna have to yes i i don't have anything to present so i have to uh, 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 turn off change background i'm just gonna turn it off look look this is my clean room um lo and behold the captain's locks Mm. It's still in its shrink wrap, by the way. Like, Very nice. <laughs> I, don't even know. I also bought this one too, the one detailing more about the last season of uh, TNG. No, the TNG movie and uh, season three of DS9 and season two of Voyager. So, uh, but yeah, I saw that, told you about it. I was so excited to be able to reclaim this little history of mine. Uh, that I thought was lost forever. Oh my! And, and your and your wife, and you told your wife this incident, and well, after did, she stopped laughing, she said, "Well, no, she she, you know, of course we're talking about our daughter and some of her sci-fi memorabilia that she enjoys, and I think it was just kind of a natural progression because I think it was very." Very soon along the lines of our uh, why is Baby Yoda so popular and the merchandise. <laughs> and she's like, don't, don't you have like, and we're getting ready to move. She's like, you know, you have some old stuff here. I like, true. <laughs> so I start, we started musing about, you know, memorabilia of, you know, and neat niche uh merchandise and stuff that not only we have but that we remember right yes wow. and and you know this is I, I gotta be honest here i was growing up i loved the star wars movies but i did not it, coming of age in the 90s there was not a lot of new star wars so there was a bunch of new star trek and that was what i hung my hat on no, you you misspeak. There was no I Star Wars. I understand there was the EU. There was no Star Wars on the visual medium. Right. There was the EU that was coming out, and Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy came out in 92 or 93. I think it was It 92. was like 91, 92, and 93. Like yeah. The books came out in One year apart. Years. Yeah. And By I get way, that. I, I understand that. The audio book. For Dark Force Rising, and I do, I am prepared to, uh, when I fly, coming soon, listen to 
uh, more of the last command. Oh, all right. Very good. Very good. So your wife was like, we need to talk about the different kinds of sci-fi knickknacks and stuff that we have that are dear, near and dear to our heart growing up from our mm -hmm. childhood. Right. And now name your disadvantage. Well, I don't have most of my stuff here. <laughs> Although if I was to truly think about it, I may be close but uh, to where there might be some still remaining. I think my folks may have a few things still at the house, but I work late and it's just been busy lately, so I didn't even bother to go raid that. So the closest mm -hmm. thing I have right now are the fact that I did download the digital audio books to the original Thrawn trilogy, which I read back in the 90s when I was in my throes of reading uh, one of my phases of reading uh, the Star Wars Expanded Universe, now known as Legends. Yes, yes. Um, so, uh, admittedly, you have Star Wars stuff. I don't. I never did. Um, I, I, I have, like, Grogu behind me, but that's not a childhood thing. That's, like, a new development. Well, I, uh, I, I do admit to uh, building my own lightsaber at uh, Disney uh, about, <laughs> about three years ago. <laughs> I was tempted to build a lightsaber of mine, but it just was, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm like, nope, this is for the kids. So I bought them droids. <laughs> I, I am fully comfortable in my adult nerddom. No, and I didn't, I didn't I don't go and you. order like one of those ones off the internet, which looks like, you know, like a $300, like, you know, ones. Oh, like, you did the ones like that, that, that pop out like the toy, right? Yeah, that you can, oh, but you okay. can go and buy parts. You go to, it's like a build your own. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the gift shop area. Yeah. 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 No, I was I thinking about. Admit, I freely admit, I, I. Might as well have just done the double-edged lightsaber. It's just too huge. I, <laughs> I, I slapped too much stuff on. I got carried away. When in hindsight, I should have. Wait a minute. You got carried away with putting too much equipment on on a, on a piece of hardware? I you, wasn't a Geardo, dude. As, I, as I'm reminded of uh, the USS Titanic, the Starship Titanic, with how many bull turrets, bull turrets did they have on there? How many what? How many turrets did it have on there? How many gunnery? How many guns did that thing have? Uh, I just did what you laid down on, and I I upped it by about 25%. And that's what you always do. <laughs> well, look, you were looking Star Trek. I was looking a little more warship. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway. Look, look, Seth MacFarlane in the Orville. <laughs> I should sue him because he's using all the words I used in my Endeavor series. The Earth Union, the Planetary Union, the Space Union, the Space Fleet. I don't know, was it the Union Fleet that they use in the Oroville? I don't know, but... I think so. It's something like that. Uh... <laughs> anyway, this is a purely hedonistic episode. 
So um, it starts. So the topic started with me getting these captain's logs books, which was amazing that I was able to get them. I'm fully happy with them. I'm going to regroup and bring out things that I've I already brought up in a previous episode. Here's the story for this one. The Enterprise A. Diecast metal. Bought it. Bought it. I from the Smithsonian Institute, the Spare and Ace Museum, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Air and Air Space and Museum, Space Museum. Uh, where they had the Star Trek um, uh, exhibit there. And they had a little gift shop there. I bought this, and then one of the nacelles broke off. And so what happened was, I bought it when I was in fourth grade. I spent four years trying to put the nacelle back on. I couldn't do it. So eventually... During the eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C., I didn't go, but I knew that the exhibit was still there. So I paid a friend of mine to buy this one for me. And I still have it to this day. And I love this thing. It's so good. It's great. Next. I do seem to recall you having at least an Enterprise D somewhere. Oh, yeah. Look at that right here. That's uh, this one. All die cast metal right here. This might as well be a Hot Wheel with what it is. You know, the separating saucer section. It's a little worse for wear because it's been played with. I saw one online for $65 in mint condition in the box that I haven't purchased yet. You know, All right, Sheldon. We're about in we're we're almost in a recession right now, so I gotta be careful with my money. Um, <laughs> but I traded that. I I had a friend who had it, and I saw it. I'm like, I need to have it. He was more of a DC Comics or Marvel fan. He was a comics fan. I bought a Batmobile, a diecast Batmobile, and the Batwing. And I, I was like, hey, I got these. You want to trade for that? And he did it. I traded up. I traded up. It sounds like you've got the short end of the deal as far as package. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't regret that for the, for a minute. So these were wonderful toys that I had as, ch- as a child and everything. Um, and speaking of toys, because as I said, my wife said, so this is the toy episode. And I know you have these. We're not doing an unboxing, dude. That, that's, that's not our jam. No, but Star Trek Micro Machines. I had many of those. In fact, <laughs> I think I had all of those. You did. You had I, all of these. You actually had a couple other ones too that that were not as part of this set. But we did have no, the same I set. I started getting other more, ones, and then I actually got this the next sec the the second set. That's which right. Had the three ships from All Good Things plus the Defiant. Yes, it had the Defiant. I was I was jealous of that. Yes, that was uh, great. I did not have the the Farallon sets, which had Voyager. Uh, oh but, yeah, you know I I had, and it's funny when you go back and, and I remember it standing out because the act the the blurb on the back of the USS Defiant was the one from the Tholian Web, the old Constitution class. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yep. 
Then one time I bought a package that was like a slightly different version, but they were all in silver. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. I remember those. Wow. I totally, it's funny how that, that just completely goes away from your memory until you jog it. I forgot about that. So, you know what else I did have, though, that went along with those? Star Wars micro machines. Yeah, you did have Star Wars micro. You I had, had some X Wings, the Millennium Falcon, Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. I had a few. I didn't have as near as many of the Star Wars. None of them were to scale. None no, of them. you had Sail Barge and the Chicken Walker. Uh, I mean, I would occasionally play all of them together. Just not. Yeah. I had. Um, <laughs> I mean, look look at the Enterprise A, which is a little droopy because it's not in my package. But and then the Runabout. I these are the Runabout, <laughs> the Shuttlecraft. Yeah, I had the Vulcan oh, warp shuttle. shuttle. Yeah, here's the Shuttlecraft. I have it all, the whole thing. For motion picture. I had the warp shuttle. And then, oh, ooh, the Enterprise, the original Enterprise is actually in surprisingly good condition. I think my parents may still have those somewhere. <laughs> so I actually need to ask. You probably need to go over this weekend and be like, hey. No, uh, I have plans this weekend. Oh, that's right. Well, but, change your plans. <laughs> I will say this, man. I mean, micro machines were a big deal when we were, you know, in like, elementary school and middle school and then they started coming out and then they got the franchise you know rights for star trek and star wars yeah and started seeing them come out it was really cool and then when i started reading the eu books in star wars i found that micro machines did a few limited eu series really but they would the package looked like the novel, the cover of the novel, but you'd open it up and it would have like inside, it would be like, here was a little Thrawn and here's, here's like. Or Jade. Yeah. But then there was also like a, sh- a ship that only was in the, the books. So it was limited. I never bought them because I think I was starting to age out of the toys per se. Yeah. Uh, but it was still kind of neat and I kind of regret not. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny how you age out of the toys and then you age back in. Well, and then, I mean, to be honest with you, there's times I just kind of want to play. Yeah, there, there is. There is. I admit, I just I'm going through the I'm going through these micro machines right now and I'm freaking giddy. Like, <laughs> like, here's my bird of prey. Look at that. The Klingon bird of prey right there yeah. versus the Romulan bird of prey. The old style one. Look at that thing. Oh yeah. And with the decal on the bottom with the right. Falcon. Wow, I know this is can... great pod. It's such good pod. But um It's pretty it's pretty intense, man, when you think about it. Well I, I am shocked with how much I've been able to actually keep uh and sustain uh throughout the years. So um so that's that with the micro machines. I thought, I thought that was fun. I used to have them out on display. Well, yeah, they came with those shitty little plastic stands, which never really yeah. worked. I don't have them anymore. I threw those out, which is probably a problem. But um, 
nothing the internet might not be able to fix, right? Uh, I know. <laughs> so, uh, so I got those. Boy, I'm sending you a message on your uh, cell phone, telephone. You should check it out because I just had to. Uh-oh. To prove my point. Oh, yeah. Look, they're in the book form. And then there it is. The Micro Machines for Star Wars. For the, uh, the expanded universe. Yeah, look at that. Wow, that's a pretty sweet deal. Oh, that there's Mark. I to tell you just how big the EU was in the, the community. It was pretty big. I mean, the, I, you got to admit, Star Wars had been gone for, what, eight years at this point? Seven years, eight years. You and know, the I mean, finally the, the started movies, coming out. I mean, you got a couple of those, you know, the, the aforementioned droid and Ewok cartoons when we were, you know, after Return of the Jedi and then the two Ewok movies. But yeah. still, those weren't huge. I mean, they didn't have the cultural impact that everything else did. No, no, not in the slightest. And but but Star Wars was still in high demand. And this goes to show that these are toys based off of a book series, which, right. you know, a movie series is a visual medium. And yet they were able to create whole toys off of something that was described in a book. I'll be honest with you, man. These are some pretty neat things. You get Thrawn, you have Mara Jade, you have, it's probably the Chimera, which is the ship uh, that was Thrawn's ship. Yeah. But, you which know. Which actually looks a lot like the, the, the ship from um, The Force Awakens. The, uh, no, it's still an Imperial Star Destroyer. I know. It looks a little modified, though. Maybe a little, but you get to see the Lady Luck, which was Lando Calrissian's personal yacht. Is that the gold one, or is that, that the silver one at the bottom? Uh, I think it's the silver one. The other one was a Skip Ray blast boat, which is uh, kind of like a, it's a little bit more like a, a heavily armed runabout. Dude, this is only fifteen dollars. You need to get it. I may. Ooh, the Just Jedi, the Jedi Academy series. That was good. Now, it, have you seen? Um, have you seen Star Wars Rebels? Yes, I actually I've seen the vast majority of that show. Go all ahead the way and through the zoom, finale. Go look at this and look at the back where it shows you the back and it shows you the other sets. There it is. And you can put the highlighter over it, okay? Yep. Truce now, of Bakura. Yes, that was... Truce of Bakura was a novel that came out once this whole EU kind of kicked off. But um, it, it was essentially became a prequel to the uh, Heir to the Empire. It takes place within uh, days of the Battle of Endor where... Uh, Luke Skywalker uh, leads a group of rebels to assist an imperial outpost that is fighting an alien invasion. And, huh. uh, and the uh, Rebel Alliance decides that trying to do, trying to aid them might help uh, 
might help start the healing process and maybe get more of the Imperial Remnant to surrender. Interesting. But if you zoom in and you look all the way to the right and you see like a, a like a, a home plate looking thing. Yep. That is um, a fighter carrier that was from this book that they then put in rebels. The rebels actually steal it from the Empire and it becomes the flagship of Phoenix Squadron for a while. Interesting. Before they use it to uh, fend off Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, All right. But as you can see, because that's a felony. <laughs> and if you look in the he Jedi search, if you look up at the Jedi search and you see what looks like a kind of like a, a, a proto X Wing. Yeah. Z95 Headhunter. That was like a proto X-wing and like a Clone Wars era proto X-wing in the books that they actually started putting. I think Filoni put it in a few episodes of the Clone Wars. Oh, interesting. So you can see where some of these uh, things from the EU, from Legends, are starting to be brought into. Uh, actual canon right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. And again, going back to, I, I, I never bought those. I, I did, I considered it at one point because I really did love the books. And that, in that mid to late 90s and early days of college, that's where a lot of my sci fi intake was, was the books. Yeah. Uh, it was Star Trek. It was Star Wars. Those two mostly. I remember once I started having a part-time job, like in the summer, every couple weeks, you know, I might grab a, <laughs> this is just me, and uh -huh. I'd, I'd go to the Borders. Remember where the Borders was? Oh, um... Across the street from the mall. <sighs> Anyway, you mean are we talking? Are we talking uh, on Route One? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I never went to that Borders. Well, I went, particularly in like high school and college when I had a little money to burn. Yeah. Sometimes, and I would go, and invariably, I'd end up making two purchases. One was <laughs> one was a science fiction book, and the other was probably a country music CD. So, <laughs> DT Cavman in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> playing true to you. <laughs> You do you, man, and I'll do me, because that's what it is. Yep. But that, but it was, it was one of the. Uh, here, here's some of some of my treasured memories merchandising, New Frontier. Oh, Peter Davis, yeah. New Frontier. Peter Davis, uh, Star Trek series. Yeah, the first uh, independent Star Trek book series under pocket books because pocket books used to do all i don't know if they still do but they used to do all the star trek official uh books yep. yeah and most of the time they would be you know like the next generation the voyager deep space nine they were all like numbered it's like okay this is number whatever 29 but 29 has nothing to do with 28 or 30 because it was written by somebody different no <laughs> continuity and right like, 
okay, like episode, like book one of Next Generation was the novelization of Encounter at Farpoint. So they'd have the novelizations of some of the bigger episodes, um, like the two-parters and like special episodes like Relics. Um, I actually did take out an audio book from the library. It was, I think it might have been a CD of Relics read by James Dewan. Oh. Which was both excellent and strange because he made Data's voice sound like a robot. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. I'm like, dude, you were in the episode. You Yeah, was to he the before Relics or after? This was Jeez Louise. You think you would have at least seen an episode or two before you went on the show. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, but you know, it was it was just strange. I mean, of course, it was interpretation, but I've never been <laughs> one much for audiobooks. But I did try that because it was read by James Dewan, who it, we have discussed has actually had a decent voice acting career. He, hell, he was half the voices on the animated series. That's he true. Was, he was the original voice of Admiral Robert April. That's right. He was. That's right. Ooh. Which brings me to why I always thought Robert April looked like an old white guy. The Star Trek Encyclopedia. Yes, because they, you know, they, in that Star Trek Encyclopedia, they had a Robert April who was never named on screen, mentioned at no. all. No. Nope. And if you notice, the official Star Trek Encyclopedia left off the animated series. Yeah, they did. They said, we like it. But we can't we can't necessarily keep up with stuff outside of the TV series, the live action stuff, which there were like 22 I mean, look episodes. At thickness, look at the thickness of this thing. They And it's got it's got references under references. So it, like each reference is an appendix of itself. So <laughs> that, that always bothered me a little bit, especially when you find out that there was a. Another mud episode, there was, I think. Kang showed up again, and oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, here we go, Captain Robert April. All right, so he wasn't the old white guy that I thought he was. There he is. Yeah, he was. Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> that was like promotional material. And... <laughs> yeah. So, but that was Gene. Good old Gene. Um, I bought this book April 10th, 1994. I don't know how you know this. You talk about my recall of like facts from the shows and names and shit, but you like, you remember <laughs> dates of when these things are. I know. Uh, well, I, it's just part of my brain. I, I file, I have file cabinets for each year and then drawers for each month and i just able to do it that way the worst part about having this kind of memory though is when you try to pull out a memory and you pull out a drawer and you look through that month you realize that there is a a, a memory that's supposed to be there and you know it's supposed to be there but it's damaged mm. which is a massive crisis for me like <laughs> so i know when i've lost a memory a lot of times which is terrifying so <laughs> Um, but I remember with this encyclopedia, there was a there was a, a, a all access cable TV show by Star Trek fans on Providence 
Yeah, I remember. That's, that's where you saw the interview with Mark Alamo. Yes, and I was just recapping. Like they're like, so you play Gold Ducat, and they had the encyclopedia with them. They're like, well, let's take a look at what Gold Ducat is. They're like, Gull. They're in G. Gull. And I'm sitting there going, No, you idiots! It's by his name, you stupid. Not his, not his title. And they couldn't find it under G. And they're like, uh, uh, and they handed it off to a producer who was later found it under Ducat. And my, <laughs> it was just. It was a memory of mine. It was 1.30 in the morning when I watched it. Because that's when they aired. <laughs> and I'm sure Mark Alamo was sitting there going, I, I thought I was going to have a bigger career than this. <laughs> I remember. He was actually very gracious on that show. It was a local cable access show, but he was gracious. I have no idea how he got on there. No, no clue. I don't know. I mean, I don't even remember there being Comic Cons in Providence like there are now. He might have been like at a comic book shop, like signing something or. Oh, maybe, maybe <sighs> something. So anyway, that's, you know, that encyclopedia. There mail. wasn't comic cons much when we were younger, but there were Star Trek conventions still. Don't forget that. I don't even know if there were Star Trek conventions in Providence. I feel like I would have seen something about them. My, my father would have definitely like brought it to my attention. At some point, because he knew. I mean, there's cons everywhere now. I know everywhere, everywhere. I mean, it's. I mean, it's never. It's there's never been a better time and a worse time to be a geek. Well, you don't have the market cornered anymore. Now you're walking through, and like there's so, you know there's somebody wearing a Yoda shirt. You know, it's like, oh yeah, he's kind of cool. Yeah. Or, you Are know, you my people or no? <laughs> like, I can't tell. <laughs> well, yeah, and you did, like we discussed, you can't tell if you know someone who's wearing Baby Yoda shit likes Baby likes Star Wars, or if they just think Baby Yoda's fucking cute. Exactly. And I know his name is Grogu, but they call him Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. When you hear somebody talking about Baby Yoda, there are people like my wife who thinks he's really cute, but really doesn't care about Star Wars. <laughs> Which is fine. I, I, I get that. I'm it's not just... I'm not knocking it at all. I'm just making no. points. Yeah. And but it's just you can't tell anymore. Whereas whereas I'm gonna bring this up now. My favorite Star Trek book of all time, aside from um aside from Dark Mirror. Oh, I thought that's what you were gonna show me was Dark Mirror. No, I don't have that book. That didn't that didn't survive the test of time. Uh, Q squared. Imzadi. Oh yeah, another Peter David book. Another Peter David book, and it was this. This is a testament to nostalgia and love. And I, I, it, it hit me in all the feels with the way this book was written about the beginning of Riker's and Troy's relationship, and and how they fell in love, and what happened to them. Obviously, it was a. Um, a kidnapping that brought them together, but <laughs> yeah, their relationship was really very brief. It, it was, um, and you know what? It, in in some ways, it almost predicted part of all good things. The agent, because Ad- the agent Admiral Riker and the look at look at the agent Admiral Riker right there. I mean, that's exactly what he looked like in all good things. Exactly, except he was in a he's in a blue uniform here. I I don't know if you can s- see that. No. But, but it's okay. Yeah. 
Um, you turned but, me on to one of my favorite of the old novels of. Star before you go well. that far, before you go that far, I just want to say because I'm still talking. We're still talking about how geek culture is like more mainstream now. Yep. And I just use that as an as a as a turn. Um, I wrapped this book in comics from the newspaper and brought this to school with me so that no one would razz me that I was reading a Star Trek book. I I brought a the, paperback. I brought the paperback. paperback. I brought the paperback novelization of Emissary. <laughs> which I found somewhere, and I and I had it like in eighth grade or something, just like sitting on top of my book. And people were like, "Star Trek." I'm like, "What of it?" All right. <laughs> Your life was different than mine. <laughs> you were a better you, you you became a better jock than me earlier. So I, well, but... I was still. I yeah. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. That's no. too deep, <laughs> even on my side. Um, but yeah, so I introduced you, you into times, I, my give a fuck factor at, at, at 13 years old. I mean, I was very well known as the military and history nerd of the neighborhood. If it this wasn't, a, if it wasn't a civil war book, they're like, you're not reading civil war. People no. thought different. <laughs> they be Every now and then. <laughs> but it, it there was some fantastic, and while there was, it was not connected at all, the, the Star Trek novels, at least not at the time, you had, uh, you know, Peter David did write a sequel to Imzadi. It was called Imzadi 2. Imzadi 2. I have the digital version. I haven't read it yet. Which took place after the crash of the Enterprise D. Okay. And it reunites them with Shelby, and I think they have to fight the Borg. Yeah. I never read a David book about um, the Borg. That's interesting. I think it's that. But yeah. anyway, you have, um, you know, uh, what was it? Q squared, right? That was the one with the converging timelines. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, that was a good one, too. Um, shoot. That was... I think that was the most complex book I had ever read up to that point. It was pretty dark, too. When it you... was. <laughs> Basically, Peter David is... He was like George R. R. Martin Light, but for Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of yeah. violence and a lot of sex. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> but still um. not. It wasn't. It we're not talking about babies being being eaten by dogs. Yeah. Oh God. Um, but actually, it, it was uh, now uh, towards the later part of the '90s. You started seeing crossover book series where there was. Uh, I think one of the earliest ones was I think called Invasion, where there was like. Yes. And and they show there was four books and it was how TOS, the, TOS yeah DS nine and Voyager yep and they had a few others um, they started and then they started spinning off I always liked the Captain's Table series yeah <laughs> and my friend will you explain the Captain's Table. 
or do you need me to do it? You, you're going to need to do it, but I just want you to know that I actually have the digital version of Q squared. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> or, uh, and that book actually, you know, lays, uh, basically lays bare the fan theory that Trelane from the Squire of Gothos in the original series was a, a juvenile Q. Q squared, yes, absolutely. Even potentially Q's son. Potentially. Yeah. So, uh, but you're talking about the captain's table, which was a a multi-series tie-in. Right, but it was also a multi-dimensional venue where basically ship captains and leaders of men could go, particularly at times of crisis. Or women. You said leaders of men. Sorry, you're right. Or women. That's an old, it's an old military story. Leaders, <laughs> captains would go and they would be sitting there, you know, and they'd go in and it would look different. You could find the captain's table at any place in the world or in the universe. And you had to tell a story. The price of the drinks was, was, a, was a story. Mm. And the initial iteration, I believe, was the four captains. Kirk, Pike, or no, Kirk, Picard. Picard. Um, Kirk, Picard, Cisco, and Janeway. And then they later expanded it to include... Uh, didn't they I, include... Um... I want to say that the Kirk was Kirk and Sulu as a combo package. Like Kirk bringing Sulu to the captain's table. And then I believe. Didn't they include Peter David's captain as well? They did. And Christopher Pike. Yes. Okay. Your Jeffrey uh, Hunter, Christopher Pike. What was the captain's name in, in the, the for the USS? Uh, the Mackenzie Calhoun. There we go. Captain Calhoun. Okay. Which he was uh, an alien too. He was. I know he's got it's got such a human name, but I know like his first name is actually M apostrophe K E N Z I E or something McKenzie. Yes. So it was called Mac. Yes, which I like. I approve. So I believe the let's see. The uh, the omnibus, which included all of the st- original stories, were Kirk, Sulu, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, Calhoun, and Pike. Uh, but Kirk and Sulu are in one together. Uh, okay, a bar where ships captains from many worlds throughout history can get together, drink, talk, and brawl. The price of the first round of drinks is always a story, as each captain settles to tell a yarn. That's a good premise. I like that. I mean, and, that, and that's classic Peter David, right? Well, I mean, no, he just... Peter, they were all, all the different artists. Um, Michael Jan Friedman. Oh, I thought Friedman. he was in charge of it. No, I don't know. But uh, it was Michael Jan Friedman did one. And, of course, he did the Stargazer series of books, which it were about a half a dozen books that followed Picard's early days as captain of the Stargazer. That was another later independent series. Okay. Um, 
and then a few other people had written a few Star Trek books. But Peter David and Michael Jan Freeman were the big were the big ones in this one. And then in like 2005 or something like that, they came out with tale uh, an, uh, uh, an anthology book, Tales from the Captain's Table, which included a Picard story from the between years between the Stargazer and the Enterprise. Mm. They did Kira, who just takes place during the DS9 relaunch, who we, she assumes command of Deep Space Nine. Yep. And she does get promoted to captain when Bajor joins the Federation. You get Jonathan Archer, who is brought to the captain's table by Shran in the story. Oh. You get Captain Will Riker. You get Captain Chakotay, who took over command of the of Voyager in the Voyager relaunch series. You get the captain of the Da Vinci, because remember, they used to have the e-books, Star, the Star Trek Corps of Engineers. No, I don't remember that. Well, they came out, they came out like <laughs> around the end of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Okay. And so they have the captain of that ship. They have Demora Sulu tell a story. Oh, nice. They have uh, now Captain Shelby, former Commander Shelby, who mm-hmm. she became one of the characters in the New Frontier series as the first officer of Mackenzie Calhoun. Ah. And then they have the one Klingon, yeah. Clag. Now, Clag was actually the first officer of the POG. The Klingon ship, Riker, went aboard on the exchange program. I thought so. I that was, was going to say, that was the matter of honor, I want to believe. Yeah. And then they decided later in one of the... In, in, a, in a novel, they decided to give him command of a ship post-Dominion War, and he has to escort Worf as the Federation ambassador to... Kronos. Yeah, but uh, to to help them solve a problem with one of their ah. subject races, and that book was popular so that it got its own series, the IKS Gorkin, which had mm. about a half a dozen books as well where he becomes captain of a Klingon attack cruiser. Uh, so there's a lot of great stories. Um, and and this anthology not only takes continues the whole captain's table idea, but it also ties it in with all of the relaunch novels that were going on. Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, and uh, Riker from the Titan series, because... And, and here's where it gets kind of neat as we talk about these books. Pete, you know, the stuff you were reading were all not connected. After the end of Deep Space Nine and Voyager, with Enterprise kind of starting to fade out, they did start to say, well, what, what would happen if we actually started tying all these things together? Yeah, before this, I saw you had, that phenomenon. The only thing you really had, for the most part, was the New Frontier series, which was... Peter David getting a chance to do his own TV series post uh, Star Trek First Contact. So Mackenzie Calhoun was a former 
resistance leader on a backwater planet that was visited by the stargazer under Picard. And he becomes kind of a protege to Picard and he gets accepted to Starfleet Academy. And basically he's this punch first, shoot first, ask questions later. Kind of like Kirk with a little bit of Picard in the back of his mind. Yeah. Um, Kirk, if he was um, mentored by Picard. Yes. Uh, But also with a much more violent streak. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is his violent streak, he doesn't just go around blowing up ships, but he has this inner rage and this inner warrior that is always aching to get out. Correct. So it's it's very fascinating. And so they they he, he wrote a series of books about this crew which included some side characters from the next generation, Commander Shelby from Best of Both Worlds, Dr. Salar from a couple of episodes of early TNG, uh, Vulcan aboard the Enterprise and then Robin Leffler, the the character that Ashley Judd played in Mm -hmm. two episodes of The Next Generation. And then, of course, a few characters who were in some Star Trek uh, Academy or like uh, Wharf at the Academy comic books that Peter David wrote. He just took a bunch of them and threw them in these books. (laughs) So they kind of he kind of had his own little universe and then once they started doing all the relaunch stuff, they really started to tie them in. And so they occasionally would like show up in these crossover events. Yeah. When Deep Space Nine did the Deep Space Nine relaunch and they started basically season eight is basically what they called it. And it starts in it does 20. It starts in 2376 right after the end of the Dominion War and the beginning of, you know, and it follows that whole first year series of books follows Kira and assembling her new crew and w- including a new chief of security, Ro Laren. Mm. Hmm. And, and they have some interesting. They finally characters. brought her in. Yep. Well, they could. She wasn't, she wasn't killed. She wasn't killed by the, uh, the Jemadar, huh? Right. No, she managed to avoid it. Cause what as we Thomas all know, is- Ro is a survivor. True. What about Thomas Riker? Was he killed? Later on, in some of the later books, they did say that Thomas Riker did actually survive. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but I think that was just more for, you know, fun. But right. it was pretty interesting. Uh, I definitely enjoyed some of these, but the New Frontier was always a little, it was kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was there. It talked about everyone, but no one ever talked about it. Uh, occasionally. They did get mentioned a few times in the Destiny books uh, because one of the lead-ups yep. to the Destiny books was actually written by Peter David. So Right. Um, so they, they get some mentions, and like I said, they would show up in these crossover events, but very rarely did they meet up 100%. So Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. The Deep Space Nine relaunched the, and they started connecting with the TNG post 
Well, they started with some pre-Nemesis stuff, and then, which kind of set everybody up to go all their separate ways, but give background to it. Yep. And then it set, and then it it they set up this post-Nemesis stuff, which basically within the two years post-Nemesis, you know, the Romulan Empire goes into civil war, splits. The Borg launch an all-out invasion of the Alpha Quadrant and start wiping out the Federation and its allies, yeah. and neighbors. Rather than just the Federation, it's one after everyone. And it's not just one cube. They send hundreds, thousands of cubes, and they just, yeah. they're not just assimilating anymore. Now they're just destroying things because they're like, fuck you. We're tired of trying to assimilate you guys and you guys not wanting it. So fuck you. We're just going to end you. <laughs> That's really <laughs> Which what, is what they tried like. to do with Species 8471. Basically, yes. So you get to see that. You get to see a resolution of that. And then you start seeing what happens after that. It's kind of like what happens after World War II when there's the rise of NATO and the Warsaw Pact. And that's exactly what happens when a whole bunch of Federation uh, enemies band together to, to stand against the Kittimer Accord. And the Typhon Pact is born. And they have... Some great books with that. Yeah. I think I, I bought I think I bought the the original I don't know, is there one called the Typhon Pact? So there was I, a don't worry about so it. So after mean, after the Destiny Pact, they had like one bridge book that was kind of like, you know, it was like family after all things were kind of like covered. It's like, hey, this is kind of a reset and this is how the universe is getting back together. Yeah, um, I have the Typhon. Yeah, it's Star Trek but, Typhon Pact. But then the Typhon Pact has a. It starts off with Euro like some game. Yes, that was. I think the first one that was, uh, the Bashir and Ezri one. Yeah. Which is, I think that was the first of the Typhon Pact series, and then it does like six or seven novels in the Typhon Pact series. But you now start seeing continuity. It became much like the Star Wars Legends. Right. EU, where Heir of the Empire did a trilogy and then people started building off of the universe that they developed. Where Mara Jade becomes, you know, who's a main character introduced in the Thrawn trilogy and then becomes an ally to, you know, the main characters from Star Wars and then eventually marries Luke Skywalker. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, and those were my treasured things. The micro machines were that. The books were <laughs> were my were my nostalgic things. Um, I did have a subscription. Uh, I I might have had like a year subscription to Star Trek Communicator. Oh, you did, you did, because I remember seeing those and being jealous. But you know, it was like they came out like every two months. So they yeah, were... it wasn't every two months. Well, you know, I mean, what are you gonna do? Write write a whole magazine about four episodes, two and a half episodes of Star Trek, and then I don't know. But at the height of uh, you know the Voyager, uh, Deep Space Nine, and the TNG movies in the second half of the nineties, you know, you'd have like maybe five or six episodes coming. Yeah. You know that you could review. You know, in some months. So, I mean, there was plenty of trip content going on. They did yeah. actually talk about upcoming books and 
and mentioning upcoming uh, Star Trek conventions. They had interviews with all sorts of people involved with them. Uh, <laughs> they used to highlight what Trek actors were doing outside of Trek. You know. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. So uh, you know, I enjoyed those. They had some great behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, you and I collect this a lot is of before these. the internet. I mean, yeah. Well, it wasn't before the internet, but it was definitely before internet 2.0. Yeah, I mean, it was before <laughs> smartphones. It was before, you know, everything could be found on Google. Mm-hmm. Google didn't even exist. No. But you know what did exist? My playmate Star Trek action figures. Oh, you know what? Shoot. Do you remember what I had? Because I'm a huge nerd. Oh my gosh. Um, no, I don't remember. Was I it? Had, what, wait, did you have? Did you hold on? Did you have Odo? No, I think I I had a couple of Deep Space Nine characters, but I didn't have Odo. What I did have was the Star Trek or the uh, the Enterprise D bridge set. That's right. You did have that. That sat prominently uh, on your bureau. <laughs> it did it as huge. it should by the way it was huge but i think we found it i think i found it on sale at like toys r us like i don't know like two years after tng ended or something like that i, I was probably far <laughs> older than i should have been when i got it no and then when you got a girlfriend how quickly did you hide it uh Actually, by the time I had steady girlfriends that could come over to the house, I had already phased that into the basement anyway. Oh. <laughs> but I, I clearly remember having a mixture of, you know, some. Uh, I, I had an interesting mixture of, of figures. I had some of the next-gen era playmates. I had some of the Deep Space Nine playmates figures. And I also had a, a bunch of the um, Star Trek Generations figures, which were just a tad smaller than yes. the regular and they ones. Were the, that, that weird uniform that never went made the, the, that, the screen. That became like the, um, that basically became the Lower Decks uniform. Yes, practically. Yeah, you're right. Except for oh. the weird collar that they had that was like a strap right. collar in the front. Right, but, uh, which they, you know, and, and they, I remember getting a, a handful of additional things over the years, and was, I had, um, and of course, then you'd get, like, the specialty characters, you know, like the, the TNG mission uniforms, where it's not them in their duty uniforms, it was like Picard in his Romulan outfit from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had three Picards. <laughs> I had Picard and the Romulan from uh, Unification. I had the Generations Picard. And then I had a Picard in a Deep Space Nine uniform that was part of a Deep Space Nine figure series, which was. So I put him in the captain's seat. I had two Picards and two Datas. Now, the two, the, the one set, one Picard and one Data, were the Playmate, you know, like the. Yeah. You know, the size of like a regular G.I. Joe or maybe a little bit bigger. They were bigger, a little bit bigger. Yeah. But then I had the special Star Trek Generations Picard and Data 
that was like 10 inches tall. Oh, you had the uh, like the Barbie size ones. Yes, the Barbie size ones that had the full fully operational appendages where you could uh, take and cloth clothes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloth you they had the proper DS9 uniform versions. <laughs> uh and uh, the 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 photo album for Picard each had a phaser, and I forget what Data had. Probably a tricorder. Oh, it was a tricorder. You're right. It was a tricorder, and I have it's that. It's tricorder. in storage. By the way, it's in storage. I have it. Uh, I could literally get it tomorrow if I really wanted to. But uh, I I admit enjoying the figures probably a lot. Uh, uh, a little I, too the, much the, for me. The bridge, <laughs> the bridge actually had doors that you could, you know, it was. Oh, uh, I remember you, you squeeze and they open and. Right. Of course, you have to walk them through. Right. I mean, it, that's just know, what it was meant for. It was kind of like that episode of The Big Bang Theory where they pull out the, uh, the they get the the um, transporter transporter with the spot yeah. figure. <laughs> I looked that up on eBay once. I forgot what it was, uh, how much it cost though. Like they've got reproductions of it now, right? Well, I think so. the Big Bang Theory helped that. Yeah, because that did. was the episode Leonard Nimoy does the conversation, uh, does the uh, voicing. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. And uh, um, let me say this, man: as as nerdy as it was to do to do this, it was, I remember being fun. I the only character from the Next Generation I didn't have, who was a, a, you know one of the regulars, I did not have. Troy, I think. I don't think I had a Troy. No, Troy was hard to get. Troy Troy and um, Dr. Crusher, they were hard to get. I had a Tasha Yar. You did? I had a Tasha oh, Yar. yeah. I think you did. Because that was one of those ones where, like, I think it was, like, part of the, uh, she might have been, like, the all good things Tasha Yar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, Interesting. I had Miles O'Brien sitting at the helm. The Deep Space Nine, Miles O'Brien. Please tell me. He had the sleeves rolled up. Nice. As he should. Yeah. As he should. (laughs) Now, please tell me you still have that bridge somewhere. I don't know. Please please tell me it's in your parents' basement. it, It might be. It might be. I don't know. There's a lot of things in my parents' basement. I'll have to go check. You're going to have things... to. Now that you're in your forever home, I'm sure your parents are more than happy to, you know, <laughs> have been you come pre- over. They gave me, they've been giving me stuff for years. I, and I'm sure they have. Much less in the toy <laughs> variety than, like, books and other shit. But, right. Uh, it, yeah, I had those. had the micro machines. You know what I did have? I also had... A, a Enterprise D that converted. Yes. Remember, it was it was like this big. Yep. And it was from all good things, and it looked like the regular Enterprise D, but then it kind of like transformed. You could lift flaps, and you could yep. turn it into the, the uh, third future. nacelle came out. Right. Yeah. Lift up the back of the saucer, the third nacelle would come out, and then and that was a badass looking D, by the way. I I, I didn't I like mean, the third nacelle, but I did like the phaser cannon. I, the phaser cannon was awesome. <laughs> just you know, it just made mincemeat of all the Klingons, which yeah, you know, that, supposed to be you know fighters, and but one, they're not. 
one of those Klingon in that Klingon ship from All Good Things eventually got played around with a bit and became the Negvar from Way of the Warrior. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, oh, I uh, think I remember noticing that. Yeah. That phaser cannon was the coolest weapon in Star Trek until the Defiant and its pulse phaser cannon. Yeah. Where they, the next first year. two episodes, they had the Gatling gun sound. <laughs> oh, yeah. was... But then they got rid of that Gatling gun sound for some reason. I don't know why. I think but... just because they were doing more with their own stuff. But I appreciate yeah. it. But, you know, I had those. I had books. We both admit we had we had soundtracks. I did. I bought I bought the Best of Both Worlds soundtrack on tape at the Air and Space Museum, along with the the first Enterprise A that I had that I listened to all the time. And I remember that it inspired you to get the Best of Both Worlds soundtrack on CD. I did. Which left me insanely jealous. I also had Generations on CD, I believe. Well, I did too. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I have all those. I have every single Next Generation soundtrack on CD. I also bought one that was like, the London Symphony Orchestra doing like all the Star Trek, all the sci-fi things, all the sci-fi. Yeah, you're right; it was all the sci-fi because I think they might have done Star yeah. Wars and Close Encounters. They did, and, and they did Alien. I know I had the first Contact soundtrack because they had Magic Carpet Ride, Ubi yep. But the first Contact theme was awesome. Oh, it was so great! It gives you tingles. We talked about that, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it was so good. Yeah. I There's different reasons why it was the best of the next gen movies. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. Very well. But, done. You know, I freely admit, even though I'd outgrown the micro machines, I was like, man, I would have loved that Enterprise E. Yeah. That would have been awesome to have. That would have been good. It would have been good. Just kind of kind of came a little too late. Yeah. You know, uh, they late. actually did have Babylon 5 micro machines. Oh, interesting. They did, yeah. I wonder that must be that must be available online somewhere. Everything's available online somewhere. Well, a lot of them you'll find on eBay and collector sites, but I know I saw Babylon 5 micro machines. I never bought them. Yep, there they are. Blue <laughs> micro machines, Babylon 5, eBay. Still in package. How much? Uh, depends on the package, but some as high as 30, some as low as six. So, wow, those are good deals. Yep. So, so Micro Machines definitely dove into the sci fi. Uh, those they did three big franchises <laughs> at the least. Yes, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I did. Someone gave me a lightsaber from uh, the Phantom Menace when I was in college as a gag gift, but it was like. Fuck this, I like that. Yeah. I, I had a Phantom Menace. Uh, I think it was the lightsaber duel between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul as a poster uh-huh. in my dorm room as a freshman. Nice. It did get vandalized, I think, after a night of drinking with some friends, but because uh, it wasn't there when I stayed over March 31st on April 1st. Yes, I do believe it uh, got trashed. So yeah. 
<laughs> Needless to say, uh, my, my, my first roommates were not thrilled that I was a sci-fi fan. That's a bummer. Whatever. And you were but, an ROTC. Jesus. And you know what? A lot of my ROTC friends were actually big sci-fi fans. Odd. We talked Odd about how that works out. Boom. Stuff goes boom, and particularly Star Wars. Right. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean... Periodically, you know, remember like when they would have like these when a movie was coming out, they'd have like the special making of like when yep. the special editions were coming out. I think Time made like a like a like a special magazine. Yeah. Uh, one of those collector's editions magazines where it's talking about the cultural impact of Star Wars. They still try to do that now. They still do. You can buy stuff like that. You'll see them, you know, in like the. At like uh, you know, like a CVS or a Walgreens, one of the few places that still actually has this magazine rack. Yeah. <laughs> but I freely admit, from time to time, even into college and early in the army, when there were still such things as magazines publishing, I would get the occasional sci-fi magazine. Yeah. To read articles on like an upcoming movie or a retrospective. I mean, I had a lot of Star... I had a bunch of Star Trek books shipped to me overseas over the years. Do you remember the Star Trek Generations magazine with the 3D cover? I do. I think we both had it. (laughs) We both did. Now... I think I still have that in my trunk in in storage, by the way. I think half of that stuff is all in storage. Half of all my Star Trek stuff is in storage right now. Um, and that's well, hey, don't forget you had your collector's communicator, uh, the, 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 the pins and insignias and communicator set. Okay. Well, here, okay. Well, here's, here's. Did you ever get any of the commemorative plates? Come on, tell me you had a commemorative plate. Okay. So here's the fun part. All right. Uh Do you remember I had the official versions of the Enterprise A dinnerware? I think the plates and the glasses from from Star Trek six. And they were on display in my room. (laughs) Folks, just remember, we're both married with kids. So, yes, we are beautiful, brilliant women actually married with us, married us, slept with us. And we're willing (laughs) to propagate our gene. My parents got that stuff for me for Christmas. They bought me plateware and I loved it. As a as a sixth grader. And I do believe you had a Starfleet <laughs> uniform for the next generation. I do. That's in storage. Or is it? Can your can your son wear it? Can McKay Jr. wear it? Or Mac Mac Jr. could wear it, yeah. Uh you know what? I think it's in store. Shoot. Now I don't you know. had the communicator, which I believe I heard you. Alright, hold on a second. Hold on. I've got three things to show. First off is the na- is the Piast de Resistance. All the insignias. Nice. The first set from the Franklin Mint. Now now drop it back down to the first level. Is that a metal uh, Enterprise Delta Shield from the original series? It is. Well, if Commander, you if, the Commander's if, insignia from the if Enterprise. If you watch Strange New Worlds, that's what they wear. Yes. Now this was meant to be just a metal 
a metal representation of what was on their shirt, obviously, which was not metal. Which was stitched. But they <laughs> yeah. seemed to be wearing a metallic insignia. Now, of course, in the original series, we all know that that was essentially their unit patch or their ship patch, like the U.S. Navy has as vessel identification patches. Yes, yes. So, uh, and so there was all these different ones, like starbursts and knots and stuff like that, that were different insignias, and yep. in that the Enterprise, the Starfleet, eventually used the Enterprise insignia because it was the most recognizable or most famous or whatever. But now everybody's kind of retconned it to like that's it, that's the Starfleet. Symbol. That's what it was always supposed to be, yeah. which is technically what NASA is using. And which is what Space Force has now. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, NASA you did the mission patch, and I think that was basically, you know, from I think the they 60s. were copying NASA. Well, don't forget, you know, Gene Roddenberry was military. Yeah. You no, know, you know, they had unit patches. It's basically it's a unit. It's a using an identifier. Right. Right. Unit identifier. It's really what it was in the original series. Now that's like wearing. How I actually have either the American flag uh, on my shoulder or like the U.S. Army patch across my chest. <laughs> so, you know, it's a funny story behind this thing. I just want to share real quick. We don't have yeah. much more time. But um, so this this thing is 12 pieces from the Franklin Mint, which I learned is basically a scam now. But this is genuine gold and silver. Um, the Franklin Mint is a scam now or always it, was. It always was. Uh, I learned now that it was a scam. But uh, <laughs> so basically you subscribed to it and you would get you would get one uh, insignia to collect all 12 once every two months. Right. So for the first four insignias, it took me eight months to get. And my parents got this for me as a gift. Right. I earned it, quote unquote. Um, and then they gave and then they they would send the the case with it to to put up and everything. Um, after the fourth one, the Franklin Mint just got <laughs> lazy and they sent all the rest all at the same time. Good. Very weird. Very weird. And then um, as my brother was about to move out here with me. And he was trying to get rid of stuff at the house. I didn't have room for this thing on the airplane. So, and at that point, I was not in any mood to be sentimental. And I just said, sell it. You can use the money to help you get across the country. And my wife was like, no, don't, don't do that. And she was sad to hear that. And Derek, uh, well, whatever his name was, Daryl. Um, <laughs> uh, Daryl was not exactly happy about the idea but he appreciated it um and uh, but he showed up here in in california and he's like i got something for you and he showed me this and he and he saved it for me he didn't sell it and he knew he knew that i was acting in emotion and uh that i didn't really want it to be sold and i was actually very relieved he didn't sell it so that's a nice little sentimental story there about that um, got a couple other things to go one more thing <laughs> to go along with the insignias. Yes, you heard correct. This thing right here 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you could hear that, right? Yep. This I, is a I Bluetooth. On a, this is a Bluetooth communicator that can connect to your phone, and when you get a call, you just click the thing, and you can talk. You can put it. It's magnetic. You can put it on your shirt, and you can just talk through it like a regular communicator. Is there is there something on the back that gets it to stick? Yeah, of course. It's a, mag- a magnet back. Like okay. Got it. See. So you can just put it on your shirt like that, and then answer the call. And you uh, had a plastic I, one that was like an inch thick that you used to wear. I did. That is up in my closet. That battery is pretty much dead. Um, I do sure, have a diecast like metal one. I do have a diecast metal one that's right over there. Uh, which I mean, it's just redundant to show. It's more shiny. But my wife bought me this. Because she knew that I did, I wanted it, but I wouldn't get it for myself. And she's and because because it's a frivolous purchase, right? It was oh, it's completely I unnecessary. Would never wear this in public. I would never <laughs> use this for any practical purposes. And she knew that, but she knew I yearned for it. So for Father's Day, like six years ago, maybe maybe even eight years ago, she bought this for me. <laughs> I I mean, my goodness. Uh, uh, I've just held uh, yeah, it in regard like ever since. It's not but, cheap either. No, I, I, I would have preferred the Deep Space Nine era uh, com badge. I like that one better. I think it's a better looking Delta. Well, don't poo poo. I understand. No, no, no. Better but, looking but, Delta. No, no, no. We but, saw my, they my, have. No, no, this no. Was... That, that's, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on that. I'm just saying <laughs> I want one, but that's the one I would want because I wouldn't want to. One, I also wouldn't want to copy you anyway. I think that oh, was kind of douchey. <laughs> <laughs> Although the, the, the all good things one that they brought back in Picard this season is not a bad looking one either. Well, it's not that bad. No. Um, I do uh, recall the plastic yeah. one you had. I did wear it. I, 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 but ironically, you, you know what I did find? I did find a small metal uh TOS era Starfleet insignia. You know, the, the delta in the circle on the, uh, on the, whatever, the bar. Yeah, yeah. It was, oh, shoot. I found it, and I found it at Disney World of all places, which really? is weird because it was like, wow, that's Star Trek. That's Paramount, man. <laughs> but somehow it was at the, like, magic, it might have been at MGM or something. And I was like, Had okay. to bad. Yeah. So I bought it. And yeah, now I I don't know if you remember, but if you watch uh, yesterday's Enterprise, the Enterprise C, they're wearing basically the red uniform, but they got rid of the turtleneck and they had the insignia here, but the insignia was now a communicator. Yes, you're right. They did do that. So it was definitely a neat way to show the transitional. Uh Uh-huh. That's true. Um, so yeah, that that one was kind of a that was a later uh, purchase that I enjoyed. <laughs> uh, I also had a uh, Sequest DSV hat that looked very much like the the baseball caps, much how the Navy has baseball caps with their ships on them. Sequest had one, and I found that one, I believe, also at Disney World. <laughs> maybe it was maybe that was Universal. I know I got Star Trek the insignia at. Um, at Disney. 
But, yeah. <laughs> but these these are kind of things that we remember. I mean, like when we were kids, there was no Star Trek Legos. So like I made they had like space Legos. So occasionally it would be like, okay, well these guys are these are the Enterprise or this guy's this is the Millennium Falcon that I'm building. Right. Right. You don't you don't get the full you know you had to make it up. You had like medieval, you had pirate, you had city, you had Duplo, and then you had space. It's like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you had no. free build. Right. Yeah. No, true. So, true. I mean, they really didn't even until like the mid to late nineties was when they first started having any sort of franchise attachment. So <clears throat> now I got one more thing. Oh, before I jump to you, Playmobil USS Enterprise playset. Have you seen it? No. Look it up. It is it is ridiculous. Because I had Playmobil as a kid, and I had a lot of Western Playmobil and military, because we've already discussed me. <clears throat> <laughs> but Playmobil, this came out like in the last year, it is the USS Enterprise. Kirk. Uh, oh, PSN. yes, this thing. The 42-inch, like, die-cast metal. Oh. Is it metal? It is. It's all metal, man. Except for the characters and stuff. Well, I, I don't, didn't think I it mean, was metal. I thought it was plastic, because that's what Playmobil does. Okay, hold on. This is, like, three four hundred $400. Yeah, but you that's can... got to be limited edition collectible toy for the USS Enterprise. I saw this on FARC.com and and yeah, it's 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 die cast metal. <laughs> Coming up on for five hundred dollars on Walmart.com. Ah, it's it's going to be uh, three eighty on Amazon. <laughs> Pretty not intense, suitable though. for children under three. Um, I'm not getting a description of it. But yeah, they came out with that. I remember reading the story about it. It looks gorgeous. Now that, that is a vanity purchase, is not? Is it not? Oh, yeah, completely. It's <laughs> absolutely unnecessary. I mean, oh. we've, we've all had stuff that, yeah, I mean, fond memories of those micro machines. And to be honest with you, periodically over the last year or so i was like man i really and every time i go home i forget to ask if they're still there i think my mom hinted one point that they still had some of these things lying around so <laughs> i'll have to go check it out <clears throat> one because i know once everything is settled here it's going to end up here one way or another oh yeah there you'll have a cookout they'll be bringing it in boxes oh yeah unsolicited <laughs> oh definitely so but yeah I mean, I at least had a couple of things. And one of the things I did have a lot when I was much younger that I really loved were, it's a little bit different than, but I had the DC superhero action figures that basically went as a companion to the Super Friends from the 70s and 80s. Oh, interesting. So they were all very comic book accurate looking, super ripply muscled plastic action figures. They were bigger than G.I. Joe's. They were smaller than Ninja Turtles, because we all had those. <laughs> yeah. And the weird thing is the Kenner Star Wars figures were like 
just slightly smaller than GI Joe's and they're it was like only major joints like it was like shoulders and like hips they didn't yeah they didn't, they didn't have like the the, arm, the, arm, the, the elbows, elbows and knees. the knees didn't bend like the GI Joe's um so but I had a lot of those I had a lot of great memories so I had like and they had a little I remember like Superman was a big plastic figure that if you squeezed his arm, uh, squeezed his legs, his arms would pump like he's punching. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, they would have the. It was like a little clip-on cloth cape. Oh, I remember that uh, for Batman. I remember that for Batman. Well, they yeah, they all kind of had them, and but Aquaman, if you squeeze if Aquaman and Flash, if you squeeze their arms, their legs would kick. So it'd be like Aquaman swimming or the Flash running. Yeah, <laughs> but these great. were all, I think, companions to like the 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 super, super friends. friends. Yeah. So I had all of those, and it was a, I loved those. I had a Batmobile. <laughs> I had those. I had GI Joes. I had He Man when I was you know a kid in the eighties. Transformers too. Yeah. Yeah. I had all of those. Loved my Transformers. Uh, now for so the nineties, I was definitely Ninja Turtles. Now, I gotta be on. I gotta ask you mm-hmm. because I've already said on the previous show that none of the girlfriends I ever had when I was in high school knew anything about this life of mine. N- not this part. None of them. Uh, yeah. But not, who uh, Who was the first person you told and accepted? No, actually, who was the first person you told and did they accept it? I can't and, and even you remember. can't name them, but, but I if mean, anybody ever made it to my room, it was pretty clear. At least, even in high school, <laughs> I at least had books that you could see. And I think the Enterprise stayed up. The 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 model, not the right, uh, right, not the bridge or anything like that. But <clears throat> I didn't hide it exactly. But I was more known for the military stuff as I was getting into right. high school because I was kind of sleight of hand. Where you had, you, had, you had the military stuff to distract. A lot of oh, yeah. Civil well, War my stuff, book too, shelves, you know? There was a lot of the, the, yeah, the military history. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that sleight of hand. Hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I hit it all. I had a telescope in my room, which was acceptable. So, that was the talking piece. Um, shoot, man. Yeah. Now... I will say this too, because I was a country fan in New England in the '90s, uh, so that was also kind of something that was considered an outsider perspective. That's a tough putt. That's a tough yeah. putt. <laughs> you can see I did not take the path of least resistance with just about anything. You did not. The fact I did enjoy sports, so uh, I mean the early, one... the the earliest girlfriends knew I liked sports and then they kind of knew I liked history. You know, the the ones that I was in class with. The right. sci-fi thing was kind of off to the side a little bit. Right. And then and then when it and then it started to seep in and then by the time they knew it, it was too late. Well they're, they're, once, they're... once I got to be an adult living on my own and whatnot, yeah, I and once then of course then the Star Wars prequels were out and that did bring a little bit of the nerd curve. Uh, Star Wars prequels, the Spider-Man trilogy, X-Men, they all kind of came out around the same time in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
yeah. plus the Lord of the Rings, and those were big enough that people would go see them. So that's true. If you had a Star Wars book, they're like, oh, okay. It lessened it lessened the 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 blow. Right. <clears throat> yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point because that that's when things started to turn. Um. What was I thinking? Uh. You know, and then it, it's just one of those things where you look back on it now, and you're like, well. Uh, if you just if you just reacted correctly, whereas if she said, "What is this? Do you like Star Trek or do you like Star? Are you do you like Star Wars?" All you have to do is just be like, "Yeah, it's fun, like it, no big deal," and then done. You you just show that confidence, and they're like, "What do they have to say about that?" At that point, like they can't. They, there's nothing for them to you know. I don't know. That's the hindsight of 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 growth <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> you, <I> know? Mean, <laughs> it, you know be... just don't be don't don't yeah I, I cut you off i apologize i i mean it is what it is once you get older it's like okay well i have my own car my own place to live i make a decent living if you're not into that then i'll just find you know, i'll move on yeah i mean there, you know, there are people who have all sorts of different likes that, you know, met plenty of girls who love musicals. I'm not a big fan of musicals. There, and don't forget Harry Potter. People are like, oh my God, Harry Potter's great. Weren't you just hating on me for liking Star Wars? Isn't there yeah. no difference? Stone houses, yeah. I mean, glass houses, throwing yeah. stones, yada, yada. So. I, I, I will say this one thing I'm very jealous of right now. Aside. Going back almost to the Lego piece of having, like, you know, to have Star Wars Legos or something like that. But my kid, for the last, like, three years in a row, we've gotten her the Star Wars Advent Calendar. Nice. She loves it. Oh, my God. And they're so cool, too, because it's, you know, you open up, like, a flap, and you kind of sit it like it's an Advent Calendar, and you just go down the line, and... There's a mini figure or a little package to build. When you're building a super, when you're building an Imperial Star Destroyer, and there's like five pieces, and it's just like, you know, it's like a couple of smaller pieces on top of a larger piece. Yep. <laughs> but it's still kind of neat, and it's stuff that you miss. And now, when we were kids, though, breakfast cereals were everything. Oh yeah, yeah. If there was a big movie coming out that was aimed at kids, there was like a cereal or a fruit snack or some sort of snack that came on with it. Mm-hmm. Remember Ecto Coolers? Oh, that's I drank that all the way through senior year of high school. The Ghostbusters Companion High C. <laughs> yeah, I literally all the way through lunch high school. Boxes. Yeah, lunch boxes. Backpacks. Yep. Backpacks are still a thing. And sometimes the little kid's shoes. Um, but, you know, I mean, we you'd get a Batman backpack when you were younger. Or you'd get... Yeah. So, I mean, these are the things that... Some of the things that, that we like aren't available anymore. Like, I, I don't know if you can get, you know, uh, a Razor Crest micro machine. <laughs> but... You you might be able to buy Ecto Cooler on eBay, but I don't recommend you drinking it. So <laughs> I I guarantee you, 
since they've confirmed that they're doing a, a, a new Ghostbusters after the success That's of true. Afterlife, yeah, would it surprise you if there was a resurgence of Ecto Cooler? I will be the first in line. I will be the first in line. And it'll be in a box smaller than we've ever seen. (laughs) Needless to say, folks, we have had we have a lot of memories of our merchandise and nostalgic stuff. I mean, we both were 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 avid readers and you got me into the Star Trek books. And then I kind of veered into Star Wars as well. So I and I maintained a very healthy reading of star trek and star wars expanded connected universe books Mm -hmm. for 20 years uh and you know we we talked about some of our favorite toys and items and stuff and stuff we freely admit yeah we still love (laughs) we kind of miss yes now i've got one more thing Mm -hmm. this is this is the coup de grace oh you're under ruse you're you're mr spock under ruse not quite um, you don't want to see those. Good. Uh, <laughs> that would be illogical. Uh, now, Star Trek is not exactly known for its good games. Oh, but Game Boy. Generation had, one, Star Trek the Next Generation. Right there, baby. I had. <laughs> I had still Star works, Trek. by the way. Still works. That is excellent. I had Star Trek The Next Generation game on Super Nintendo. Oh, I didn't know that. I think then, yeah. I had, I never bought it, but I, my favorite Star Trek Nintendo, Super Nintendo game was the Starfleet Academy Super Nintendo game, which you could play scenarios from some of the movies like Wrath of Khan or, uh, or uh, undiscovered country, so those were good. I did have a, I had a couple of Star Wars video games. I had, you had when you had PlayStation, you had what? What was that one? Dark uh, Forces, maybe it was like a first por- person shooter. Yeah, that was good. That was the Dark Troopers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember seeing you play that. I'm like, wow. And it's got the theme song and every and the all the right sound sound effects. And I was like, wow, this is pretty good. It was a good game. I, and they actually, the, the character of Kyle Katarn from Dark Forces ended up becoming a substantial member of Luke Skywalker's Jedi, uh, renewed Jedi Order uh, in the Expanded Universe. <laughs> it still works. And <laughs> they also they I, there was a like a, a a cheap Mortal Kombat ripoff Star Wars. I had that, but before the Jedi Fallen Order, which is like some of the in the Battlefront, I did have Star Star Wars. What was it? It was Star Wars. Shit, drawing a blank right now. Oh, I had Force Unleashed, the original Force Unleashed for oh, yeah. PS3. That yes. was good, dude. That was a okay. fucking bomb-ass video game back when I was playing. But then, you know, then I had a kid, and video games came and went by the wayside for me. I did like playing uh, Star Trek Battlefront for PSP. I never got to be able to do that game. And, and then by the time I had money, I... <laughs> 
it wasn't available anymore. I had a or, PSP. I'm thinking of Ad- I'm thinking of Armada actually. Never mind. I got a PSP for Chris for a birthday and Christmas gift before my first deployment, and I had so I had a, a few video games. I had a couple of because they made DVDs for the they mini DVDs and I had yep. Ghostbusters on that, and I could watch Ghostbusters on that PSP. The movie. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, it was cool. I I, I enjoyed that. Um, so I had Battlefront, and I would play through like the it was through the prequel series, and you could do the prequel era, and you could do the original series era, and it was kind of neat. I enjoyed playing it. I did get into Star Trek Fleet Command recently. Um, most of last year I played it, but when I got a new phone, all of my shit disappeared, so it fell out. Oh, bummer. But bummer. That's, I think, where I'm at, my friend. How about you? Well, I feel satisfied with where we are. Um, I think we talked about as much as we can. I'm sure other things will come up down the line, but that was a good, nice, long walk down uh, Nostalgia Row. I agree. Well, my friend, what do you think? Shall we wrap this? I think we should take us out. So on that note, everyone, remember to follow us on at those, at those sci-fi guys on Twitter. Uh, you can email us, uh, those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. Uh, go to uh, www.ourwebsite.thosesci-fi-guys.com. Uh, for current and previous episodes, we'll probably take some photos. I'll take photos of what I have, and I'll put them up on this episode's website. When um, I uh, am able to get to some of my stuff, uh, I'll send them <laughs> to you, my friend. We can get well, them added. Sh- shoot me some things of what you talked about, maybe, like a couple screen grabs or something. Yeah, we'll get um, it figured out. And we'll get that up and running, so you can take a look to see what we all talked about, because I know some of this was awesome pod to listen to. But uh, on that note, this is a great walk down memory lane. You guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, folks. From the depths of our parents' basements, where our childhoods reside, we'll see you on the high ground. Oh, my gosh. They were the deepest steps, too. Deepest steps. <laughs>